0: Kia ora and welcome to Te A Waka, Victoria University of Wellington, the podcast. Professor of Theatre David O'Donnell spoke with three alumni working in theatre about their experiences and career highlights. This was recorded at an alumni event at the Court Theatre in Christchurch on Wednesday, the twenty-first of October.
1: Tena koto katoa, mihi nui ki a koto. Uh, I'm David O'Donnell, I'm from the theatre programme at Victoria University of Wellington to a Waka. Throughout the history of the human race, live theatre has brought joy and entertainment to the masses. Uh, live theatre, yeah, yes, and live theatre has made people think about the society that they live in, and in hard times it's given hope for the future. So it's a great privilege tonight to introduce three great Christchurch theatre makers um, who bring the joy of live theatre to Christchurch audiences, young and old. Uh, so Holly Chapel Eason, Melanie Luckman and Dan Pingeli, uh, I'm proud to say are all graduates of the MTA, the Master of Theatre Arts and Directing, that was taught for 15 years by Toi the New Zealand Drama School, and Te Waka, Victoria University of Wellington. Uh, that degree doesn't exist now, sadly. It was a very intensive two-year full-on programme taught by two institutions, so people who came into it had to get used to the idea of, oh, the rules are different over here, and we're dealing with very different sorts of cultures and different institutions, which is actually quite good if you're a director, isn't it, <laughs> learning to deal with different cultures. So um, uh, I should mention that this year is the 50th anniversary of Toi Fakari, and is also the 50th anniversary of the theatre programme at Victoria University of Wellington, which was actually founded in 1970 by Professor Philip Mann, who was a well-known director and science fiction writer. Um, So it's just great that we've got this theatre focus for this Victoria University alumni event. So just to very briefly uh, introduce our panellists, Dan here probably needs no introduction because he, he's the Artistic Director of the Court Theatre, which we're in right here and now, and which has just released this amazing season for the next um, 12 months or so. Um, and Dan has assured me that he's quite happy to talk to you about that if uh, if you've got a few hours spare. Yeah. Dan studied commerce and cookery in Canterbury before heading north to the capital where he graduated with an MTA the aforementioned MTA. He was Associate Director of the Court Theatre from 2014 to 2016 before becoming the Artistic Director at Centrepoint Theatre in Palmerston North for two years and returned to the court last year to take up the post of Artistic Director. (laughs) Give him a big hand. Sorry, I should have said that. (laughs) Melanie Luckman also holds an MTA. Surprise, surprise, because I've already told you that. Um, After graduating, she returned to Christchurch and took up the role of the Associate Director of the Court Theatre from 2012 to 2014. And in 2018, Melanie co-founded Cubbin Theatre Company, which produces theatre for young children. And Mel's just been telling me about this amazing theatre company that does theatre for babies and toddlers and and children of all ages. So uh, in addition to her role, uh, as artistic director of Cubbin Theatre, she also freelances as a theatre director for grown ups. And her production of A Streetcar Named Desire at the Court earlier this year was described by one reviewer that I read as an absolute theatrical triumph. So give Melanie a big hand. <laughs> Holly Chapel eason also has an MTA from Toifakari and Victoria University. She is the Artistic Director of Little Andromeda Theatre, which I haven't been to yet, but I look forward to going to sometime quite soon. Wonderful. Um, uh, And is Co-Artistic Director of Two Productions, a theatre company based at the Christchurch Arts Centre. Holly is also directed for the Court Theatre, Auckland Theatre Company, Red Leap Theatre, Toi Fukari, Original Scripts, Auckland Live, Wheterea, and the Auckland Arts Festival. Give Holly a big hand as well. So, that was the introduction. So, um, the first question is uh, really about how you got started in theatre, why you got started in theatre, and um, yeah, what what was it about theatre that made you excited about going into that? Who would like to start? Mel will start. Thank you, Mel.
0: Um, I I always did, I was just telling David that I did my undergraduate degree at, at Canterbury University and um, I did a Bachelor of Arts and majored in English because the lectures were in the afternoons and they had no exams <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was so that I could um, do as much as I could with DramaSoft, which is the drama society at the university um, and that's sort of where I I started and it was always my passion and I did amateur theatre for 10 years Um, and then I went and worked in museums um, and and sort of was a collection manager in museums for years until I kind of hit a moment in my early 30s when I was like what the hell am I doing with my life Um, and went I have an opportunity while I don't have any children and I don't have a mortgage and I you know those such things to to actually follow my dreams and that's when i It's not an advertisement for the MTA because it doesn't exist anymore. But that's when I found the MTA and applied and got in. And basically, for me, the rest was history. Like theatre's just always been a passion for me. I just once I found it at university, I I kind of never really wanted to. Yeah. What is
1: what is it about theatre that is so makes you so passionate about it?
0: It's it's right there in the moment, and to see how a group of people come together as an audience, I think is really incredible. And as a director, you kind of get to see that. Um, as well as seeing what happens on stage. But I think in terms of how the, how an, a group of people experiencing something together is a sort of indescribable but a really unique, special thing. And I yeah. think you, you look at what's been going on lately with COVID and stuff and people haven't been able to gather together. And sport is kind of the same thing, yeah. right? It does the same thing where you get groups of people together and something magic happens and everybody feels it um, and they miss it when they can't do that. And that was something that um, that is just magic for me and just draws me to it and that I'm constantly looking to give those groups of people a, a magic kind of experience. Magic's not the right word, but does
2: that I don't think sense? magic is the
1: right okay. word, Mel. <laughs> Holly, how did you get started in theatre?
2: I grew up in rehearsal rooms as a kid. My my mum had a, an after-school theater school that she ran and um I actually started her on that I went to Redcliffe's drama school and then I brought my mum along I was like she can choreograph and then they kind of turned it into this big company and I actually spent my whole life in rehearsal rooms with my mum being like go home go and do something else this isn't what you want to do there's no money in it you'll absolutely never have you she's like look at me I'm a struggling artist you don't want this and I think every time she said that just made me more adamant that that's exactly what I wanted to do and <laughs> I think I'll always be a rebel. Who knows? Um, okay. But uh, then I did the thing of like go and get a backup career. I was like sure, I'll do that. I got an undergraduate degree, and then went and did my graduate diploma of teaching. And still, the whole time was like this isn't what I want to do, but I guess I'll do it. And then, similar to Matt, I found the MTA. My husband and I decided to leave Christchurch, go and study in theatre, and and actually make it our life's career, not just a thing that we did outside of our paid jobs kind of thing so but I think as a really young kid I was like this is what I want to do for my life I just didn't know that it would be my career as well so yeah
1: fantastic yeah thanks Holly. also one
2: thing I want to add to my bio I actually I'm t- um, head of acting at NASDA as well so, right yes because <laughs> I've got of my of students funny. here
1: so <laughs> yeah yay and uh and Dan how did you get started
3: uh I come from a very non-arts family so um, live in North Canterbury, watch rugby, play rugby, um, and I did not fit in and I was always bored. And then uh, when I was 13 at high school, um, they had a theatre sports club and all my friends went. And so I literally went because I didn't have anyone else to hang out with. And for the first six months, I sat in the corner, terrified, but I loved watching it and I just started loving it more and more and then finally got up and did it and uh, never looked back. It was just like, oh my God, this is way better than watching rugby. Um, and no no offense to anyone. No, lots of offense. I don't care. Um uh so I started doing that and then um I, I went and studied cookery at, at Ara and did a commerce degree that took me five years because whenever, whenever a theatre thing came up I would sign on to do a be in a kid show, do rehearsals and, and I just wouldn't attend lectures for three weeks while I was in rehearsal. Um and uh because I thought I should get a proper job. Um and then um, I got an events management job, and I remember the day where I decided this is not my life because I was in the mosh pit of 2,000 Canterbury Uni students, <laughs> drunk in costumes. I was sober with a rubbish bag in the middle of the mosh pit, picking up their rubbish. And I just stood up, and I was like, this cannot be my life. <laughs> and um, the ne- that night, I went home, and I remember hearing about the MTA course from Alice Canton, who was worked here and was at, at Toiwakare. And uh, I just went and Googled it and sent an email off. And I think I heard back from you like a week later going, oh, yeah, applications are open and you can come for a day. And that was it. I just was like, fuck this, I'm going to give it a try. And that was, I was 25 and it was a two-year course and uh, I had my house deposit saved and uh, I was about to buy a house and I was like, no, I'm going to spend that on my master's and uh, gave myself three years so that by the time I was 30, if it wasn't working, that I'd go back to event management.
1: And was it worth it spending a house deposit on a theatre degree? Absolutely. <laughs>
3: yeah, I've got a house yeah. now, so it worked yeah. out.
1: <laughs> it worked out well. Yeah, yeah. Mel, what's the um, what do you enjoy most about your current role? You know, as artistic director of Cubbin Theatre, and 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 being a freelancer. You know, what do you enjoy most about that?
0: Um, I I love being able to I guess choose what I do with my art you know and um, yeah like being a freelancer sometimes you have to take a gig you know yeah. um, but I am I guess privileged to be in a position where where I can choose what I want to work on and um, and yeah and founding Carbon, um was also sort of finding Cubbon and finding finding the thing that really made me passionate because i felt like um Cabin, we make work for under fives it's sort of our thing at the moment um and to just see what a difference it makes in audience in an audience like that it's it's with an adult audience they're polite you know like you don't really necessarily know what they're thinking um but with an audience of babies or toddlers if they don't like it they will tell you <laughs> They will go and go somewhere else. They will leave the theater or they will cry or they will. But if they like it, oh, my God, it's just amazing. It's just um, so incredibly rewarding to see the look on their faces. And when you see a like a six-month-old baby that is calm and regulated and engaged with a performer on stage and you can just see this look in their eye that they're absolutely, it's, they're not just sort of glazed over at bright lights and, you know, shiny costumes or whatever, when they're genuinely engaged with, with the artist, it's it's just mind-blowing and you see the, the reaction of the parents and stuff to say, I've never seen my child um, so quiet or so engaged with something or they made a sound I've never heard them make before or any of those kind of things. You were it's,
1: just telling me about how important creativity is for the development of the human brain. Yeah. But, you know, how how does theatre contribute to that?
0: So there's, um, there's a lot of research being done nowadays because of um, the development of, of technology and things, you know, you can learn so much more about the human brain. And I don't know if any of you know of Nathan Wallace. So he, he is a, a neuroscientist and an educator who's done heaps of work around um, children's brains and, and brain development and stuff. Um, And so they've learned so much more about how different things affect the brain and how the brain grows and stuff. And in young children, if they can have creative experiences when they are really young, it's not that – I mean, part of it, I guess, is sort of growing audiences for the future. You want them to come to the court theatre when they're 25, you know. (laughs) Um, But it's it's about giving them beautiful um, artistic experiences that genuinely – connect with them so that it fires off their synapses in their brains and like literally grows their brains because they're seeing things that they've not seen before or they're seeing things in a different way or they're hearing music that that is beautiful or is um that connects with them and that can calm them and regulate them and um and sort of like literally opens their minds. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's quite incredible. I could go on a minute.
1: No, that's really inspiring, Holly. What do you enjoy about all of your different roles at NASDA and Little Andromeda? And um...
2: uh, I think for for me, my I've got a few goals. One one of them is that uh, arts becomes part of everyone's everyday life. Um, and my other big thing is about growing the makers and the audiences of the future. So I really don't want live theatre to to die and to give way to things like Netflix and Neon and all that kind of stuff, as much as I also love those things. Um, so for me, Little Andromeda does that by, it's a risk share venue, you can put on a show with absolutely no financial risk, maybe you've never put on a show before, but you can give it a go. Um, teaching at NASDA, I'm training the future artists of the country, the future theatre makers, the future art leaders of this country. Um and our work at Two Productions is very much about that as well, like really building that emerging sector. I would love Christchurch and New Zealand to be a really thriving arts cultural capital of the world. And um, that's kind of what everything I do is about.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. when, with Two Productions, what what was your aim in setting that company up?
2: Exactly that, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, us making work, I mean, twofold. One is Is developing the audiences of the future. The other thing for me is that theatre has the opportunity to actually change and affect people um, in in a way that can be. It could be something really political, or it could be something as small as like um, hug your mum, like tell your family you love them. I don't know something like that. So we wanted to make theatre that activated people to change or grow or um, be more active in their lives and aware of their surroundings and themselves within. The world um, and also develop the artists and audiences of the future.
1: That's fantastic. And uh, uh, Dan, you know, having given up your, your house deposit to um, do a master's in theatre in Wellington, um, you know, you've got a very nice little day job now at the court. So, um, how's that? Uh, tell us about what that's like. <laughs> uh, a day job
3: is uh, it is not, a uh, yep, it's a, it's a night <laughs> job as well and a weekend job. Um, I think the I feel like I got this job too early, to be perfectly honest. Like I feel, felt like it's a job that's only reserved for fifty and sixty-year-olds after a a big career and, and and a lot more experience than I have. Um, but I think the thing that I hold being in this position is um, that I, I get to curate. So if I'm not careful, I become a gatekeeper, and um, if I let my own uh, values and tastes dictate that, then it becomes the theatre becomes. A very narrow space for certain stories and certain styles and um i feel like the thing i hold is i want i want to open the court up and it has to be a place where a diversity of stories can be told and that anybody can come in whether they be child adult senior um and feel like they connect with the story um or that there's something for them or that uh or that they could anybody could come knock on the door going I would like to work here okay. um, so for me it's about opening up and it's also about reaching out um, to connect with others um, and like hearing hearing you two talk like for me I feel like the thing that's always drawn me to this and, and gives me the inspiration each day is I feel like because um, I was a court theater ambassador when I was 16 so for about two years I got free tickets to every show. Yeah. And I think during that period, you know, as a as a young man and I hadn't I didn't come out till I was nineteen, but um I realized that there was something different for me that, that my friends weren't saying. And so when I was watching plays, I was experiencing other people's lives, other people's perspectives and realizing, oh these people are different than me and then realising those some of those characters are the same. And I think I think it taught me emotional intelligence. To go, oh, you're different, I'm different, but sometimes love or family, connection, relationships are the same thing. So for me, theatre, and why I do it, is because it taught me to express myself. And I believe that if we all learnt that properly, parliament wouldn't be such a shit show. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and countries wouldn't attack each other. And people wouldn't fight. They would They would try and listen and understand first before assuming or attacking so that for me is i'm like i want people to understand each other better that when they leave a show going they're a little bit closer to understanding their mum or something like that
1: yeah so theatre is a great teacher of empathy and um, and we really need a lot of that at the moment i was just going to ask all three of you about uh, what what have been your career highlights so far you know what what have been the productions or the moments or whatever where you just thought this is amazing this is you know this is kind of life changing or you know what what have been your career highlights
3: i i have one um yes. so i'm a i started as a court jester i'm a i'm a comedian i like i like making people laugh and yes. celebrating life yes. um i was supposed to finish at the court as associate um i can't remember which year now but i ended up staying a year longer And elsie edgerton till who's a wonderful director and theatre maker from canterbury she was supposed to come over and direct a show called The Events. And it's a drama about... um, It it never says exactly where it was, but um, it's about a a, a mass shooting and a young man that goes into a community and and shoots a whole lot of people. And it follows the story of the choir master who's trying to come to terms and understand uh, him. And uh, there's a a different choir on stage every night representing that. Um, But it's a drama and I never... For the life of me, thought I would direct something uh, about that sort of content. Um, It scared the shit out of me. Uh, I was not, as I said, I was not supposed to direct it. She had to cancel because she was in Sydney. I then had to take her place, and um, I literally went to rehearsals every day for the first two weeks, thinking I was a fraud. Going, why am I doing this? I am wasting everyone's time. Um, Fortunately, I had two incredible actors. And um, by the end of it, uh, I was told that that was the best piece of work I'd ever done, um, and that I was wasting my time with comedy. Um, So, uh, and yeah, for me, it spoke to being like, oh, it wasn't about making people laugh; it was about the other emotions and the other part and the hard bits about being a human, which I actually felt really comfortable exploring. So, it was exciting that people uh, I made people cry instead. So,
2: so uh, so hard. think i have a few i i have a few shows that i really love and cherish because they just felt like really anarchic and really young and like wild and i like those like we took over the whole of saint kevin's arcade in auckland which is like a strange kind of shopping mall on k road and we took over like 20 shops and we just got this huge bunch of actors together in auckland like everyone who wasn't working at the time and we're like let's just make something like real anarchic and political and like it'll be awesome and we'll encourage people to vote and get political and it'll be great and yeah we just made this wild show where people came in and they got given a job and they we basically made them work and each room was like a different area of this big company so that was wild and then uh in two weeks uh, at the end of next weekend we're about to open the permanent little Andromeda, which I feel really excited about because that's been three years in the making the first year it was a, a marquee on a gravel lot then last year it was a pop up on the terrace for like six weeks that just kind of then no, never stopped. And now we have walls and a dressing room and a proper <laughs> a proper seating block and a um, proper bar and our own bathrooms and all these things that we just kind of like only dreamed of three years ago when it was a when it was a marquee <laughs> with nothing. Um, so that's exciting. And then, oh god, I don't know. Millions. Where did the
1: name come from, Little Andromeda?
2: That's a Michael Bell thing. He loves space. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) this is why I always call it Little A rather than Little Andromeda because I'm not quite as interested in space as he is. But um, (laughs) but, um, he wanted to pitch a space cabaret for the original uh, venue that we imagined, which was much, much bigger. And so it just became Andromeda was what he wanted to call the theatre. And then when we did the pop-up version, we were like, let's just call it Little Andromeda. And now it's kind of called Little A and all the space theme is gone and It's a completely different thing, but the name is stuck. (laughs) It's
1: such a great name. I just think it's really memorable. Yeah. It's kind of poetic, so I love it. Yeah, it
2: keeps the history of the space, but will make no sense when you come in the doors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Mel, career highlights?
0: Oh, yeah, there's lots. There's lots. I think it's sort of – I think clocking the growth, I think, for me, is, you know, like Mm. when I go, oh, this is the next step. That's cool. You know, like – my master's my major project for my masters was Hamlet, and that was a play that I'd always wanted to do. And when I got to do that, and you know, I was like, clock this, and you know, like notice that this is that this is really a special moment, and it was. And then you know, like getting paid to do a Shakespeare to do the summer Shakespeare, you know, like I was like, clock this. This is a really significant moment. This is your first time getting paid to do theatre, you know, to direct for theatre. Yeah, and then sort of getting, do some of my dream shows, like, you know, Constellations that I did here a few years ago with just an incredible cast. And you go, that's a really special, special um, rehearsal period, you know, and you go, clock this, this is really special. And then getting to do Streetcar Named Desire at the beginning of this year and go, this is a classic, this is such a massive play and something I've always dreamed of doing. Clock this, you know, And, and just remember these moments because. They're all, you know, sort of on this really cool journey. Getting to do our first coven show was massive, and it's selling out before we'd even opened, and going, oh, okay, we've hit something here. You know, we've hit a need here that nobody else is doing. People, parents want this. Um, That was incredibly special, you know, and seeing those babies and stuff is incredibly special. Every coven show is just unreal you know like 10 babies in a room it's just so great it's just so great um yeah and then getting to do i'm doing once um which will be my first musical at the court well no my second musical at the court sorry um and that is going to be incredible i'm really looking forward to that and and i think everything i do now i don't know i just try and um make them all special if that makes any sense
1: yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, COVID has had a huge impact. There's closed theatres all around the world. How has it impacted on you and Christchurch?
3: Um, well, it's affected everyone. Um, one of the big things that came up which disturbed me was, um, you know, COVID's happened. We can't gather safely together. Um, we need to then move online onto, TV, onto Zooms and, and recording and, and releasing and and I'm sorry, I'm just like, fuck that, sorry. No, that's not at all what we're here for. There is TV and film and neon for a reason, and they have huge budgets. If you put a theatre play on stage, like you have even the National Theatre Live who do that, they spend, they have a department of like eight people who work on it all year, just that, just turning a play and capturing it and putting it online, let alone marketing and whatnot. But what we offer is live connection, is gathering with other humans and sharing a story around the campfire, if you will. And that's actually, that's community building. And if we keep disconnecting via screens, then we won't be a community anymore, and we'll disconnect, we'll stop caring about each other, and we'll just have, our society will fall apart. So although it's not all on theatre to do that, um, for me, what COVID meant was a temporary disconnection, a temporary stop for safety, which makes sense. But that's all it is to me. I don't think theatres going to change dramatically because of that i don't see it moving online um so that's that's my personal rant is going well i'm not going to put plays online um i could be wrong look i'm I'm prepared to be wrong but um uh and the other thing it just meant endless cycles of planning like oh my gosh like i have i have three plans for every project on the wall of like what we do at what level and if the level happens at this point or that point it is just it is mind-numbing um, the amount of prep, and so that, that for me is just—I uh, think the biggest thing I can share with you is how thankful I am for our staff and creatives who are willing to be creative in that space to go. How do I do four different versions of this, but I'm still got the same amount of hours and the same pay, and I'd normally only have to do version A. A
2: few, a few things I've noticed. One, one great thing to come out of COVID—well, maybe not great for them, but great for Christchurch is that a lot of artists have come back here that we're living and working overseas um, which I think is really exciting so we've got a real influx of of creatives in our city which I hope means more work generated Um, I was thinking about what you were saying Dan as well because when we reopened with Little Andromeda we're very small so we could reopen very quickly um, and we set up all the streaming gear and you know we said people if you if you don't feel safe feel free to stream and we put our first lot of tickets up online for in the actual theatre and they were just gone in like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and what we was just shocked by was how desperate people were to get back into theatre to see stuff, maybe more desperate than they'd been pre-lockdown and actually no one wanted to watch anything online. Everyone was like, nah don't stream it, I I just want to come instead so the option was there for people who didn't feel safe but actually what everyone wanted was just to get back into the theatre and watch something live like anything, which was really exciting I mean, I think Christchurch has always struggled in terms of funding um, and patron and donor support and things like that in the arts. thats It's always been tricky down here. But I'm hoping what COVID did, the silver lining of it, is make people realise how fundamental the arts is. And I think we can already see that in more funding coming in from the government through CNZ and stuff, which is still highly contested and difficult and all of that. But I hope that keeps up, that the, that the appreciation for the arts keeps up and that hopefully more artists want to stay here and not
1: leave. yeah and, and in terms of your your um teaching acting at nasda how 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 was that affected by COVID? how was that Lucy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh teaching acting on zoom sucks <laughs> yeah really sucks um the whole the joy of acting and learning acting and teaching acting is responsiveness and working with your scene partners and fellow actors and doing that through screens is just really rough um they did really really well and it was really awesome that we could keep that training up but it was it's nothing like being in the room together and figuring out problems as you go and having everyone's voices being heard it's it's very surreal to have an acting class where you only hear your own voice um and not all of them so yeah it was it's i mean you'll know it was pretty rough <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i had a similar experience but um M- M- mel covid for you um and your company
0: um yeah, it was it was it was a little bit rough for us. We lost some work through festivals and things like that. Um, but we were also lucky in that we were sort of going into a period of development and, um anyway. So so we had sort of there was a big gap there for us anyway, which was just lucky, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were the same the same about the online thing, especially for our audience being under fives. We were like, we don't make stuff for kids to watch on screens. We just don't, and we're like we very clear that that was, you know, that's cool. If you, my, man, my kids lo- watched a lot of screens, so you know, not against that. But we were like, that's not what we make. That's not what we do. Um, and so it was really hard to be connecting with our audience. And um, and I just, yeah, really felt for for the kids and stuff that were of all ages, really, that were, were stuck at home and without that. I mean, responsiveness of any, you know, kind and stuff, and being with your peers and um, and he- having creative. Um, experiences and stuff is tough when you're stuck at home with just the telly, you know.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um are there any of you who have any questions for our panel?
0: I'm interested less in why you thought lockdown and Zoom was shit for theatre and how you think it opened up opportunities, especially considering we are now open and not everyone else is.
2: What I think it was great for doing is um opening us up to be able to see way more from overseas that we wouldn't have been able to see without spending a whole lot of money to go and see it. So um, that was really exciting. I was really excited to be like connected with a whole lot of artists across the country. One thing I noticed I did more was just reach out to people in other cities more and like had a whole lot of Zoom catch ups with drama school friends and was like, what are you up to? What are you making? Shall we chat? Shall we collaborate? Um, So I think it forced us out of our bubble a little bit. Um, and I really loved being able to be like, oh, great, the National have put this up tonight and um, Shelbuna have put up this up tonight and, like, that kind of thing. So I think that was exciting. And also upskilling, I think, was the other thing that I found it gave a real good opportunity for. I know lots of our students did stuff like that as well, like dance classes with um tutors from New York and things like that that they wouldn't previously have bothered doing because they didn't have to. So I think that was one thing that... I found exciting.
0: Um, as Cubbin, we got an opportunity to do a piece of work that we, was kind of in our five-year plan. We've been doing a whole lot of business strategy stuff and making all these different plans and stuff. And, and something that we'd wanted to do was create resources for parents to encourage them to do creative stuff with their with their young children at home. And we were like, oh, well, that's way down the track, you know. And then COVID hit and Creative New Zealand, New Zealand. were like, what have you got that's that you can do in level four? And we're like, well, we could make a whole lot of resources for parents to do creative stuff for their kids. Um, so that's what we did. And it really pushed us, I think, to a new level of um, thinking about what our work does um, and the purpose of our work and um, and actually putting that out there. Um, so we've just done that. We've we got a whole new web, website redesign and with all these resources and these videos and different things that we created over lockdown um for parents and we sort of had to it made us put our money where our mouth is and yeah and really think deeper about our work and go, okay, what are we trying to say? What do we want our parents to get out of this for their children? How can our shows live on longer than the thirty minutes that they're in that show? You know, children don't have they won't remember a show that they went to when they were six months old. And that's one thing people often ask us. It's like why do a show when kids won't remember it and it's like well they might not remember it but it will still affect them and we can we want to help parents as well to to learn how to do creative stuff everything that we do in our shows you sort of should be able to do at home with your kids and so it it helped us to to be able to put that actually out there in the public so it was terrifying and but exciting
3: um i think for us we're like a, a large company that we can do 16 to 23 shows a year. And what that means is we've got heaps of staff that jump from project to project and it kind of never stops. Like over summer, when everyone else stops, we actually have our biggest show of the year, our summer musical. So what it allowed us to do, I think for me, the biggest thing was to stop and actually stop and reflect and to go, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how many things do we do? And are they achieving those things? And like you said, Holly, about reaching out, I feel like I probably I know that I did more than forty hours a week and most of it was actually reaching out to people, particularly artists in Canterbury and people that have worked with us but maybe haven't for a few years. And just listen. I think I spent so much time listening and writing notes of and, and then just trying to pull out the themes of going I'm hearing a lot of people complaining about being underpaid. So if we're going to restart, what do we do differently? So that we can we can do that. And what that meant is we're gonna hire a few less people, we're gonna pick plays with less casts so that we can pay the people we hire properly. Um so for me it was about reflection and going, what's our what's our purpose? And um and then also going, what are we here for? What's our what does our community actually want? Because I think we've been assuming what they want and uh, rather than
1: actually listening. Thank you. Um we've got time for one more question. Has anybody else got a question out there?
0: Yes. We've gone through this year, um, COVID-19, it's historic. I'm wondering, in all the notes that you, and memories that you have of this year, how many of it will still be possible to put on a a play, plays, in 5, 10, or 15 years' time that could, for the next half generation, bring home what we've been through?
3: Is this a dream, or is it possible? I think it's absolutely possible, but I think the development of a good play takes anywhere from two to five years um obviously it, it varies from playwright to in, in different processes but I, I personally think if we're gonna if we want a good one, it will probably be about five five years away before we see it on our stages. Similarly, we had a, a show here called e q fing c and we had it programmed last year, you know, and that's what eight eight, nine years since the earthquakes here. Yeah. Um, so, and it took that long for it to come out. And also, if, if you're going to write about it, it's because you're affected by it. So I think you also have to process the effect, being affected by it before you can maybe start fully trying to tell the story and share it with others. So I think about five years is my guess.
0: Um, I'm interested in that though. I am ex- um, i don't know if excited is the word, um, <laughs> but to see to see what comes out of it. You know, and to see what art does come out of this experience because it's it is it's completely life changing, like and society changing, isn't it? And um and I think that that it will come into theatre, and I'm I'm really intrigued to see what happens. Yeah, I
2: wonder if we won't have shows that are necessarily about COVID, but that have come about because of what we realised we missed during that time. So I wonder if we'll start making a lot of shows about connection and community and things that matter and yeah, I wonder if we'll get really meaningful for a bit in response to COVID as opposed to making like the COVID show. But I I think it, I I mean, inevitably it's going to affect the work that we make and the questions that we ask with our work. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what comes of that.
3: Just realized i i answered from the perspective of the court whereas i feel like there will be artists possibly with pictures for you next month about covid um and i also think tv will be a lot faster than us because they have more money so they will resource it quicker and fully so that they can have three writers and dramaturgs work on it whereas our process is a lot less funded and it's a lot slower yeah absolutely so I, yeah i reckon stuff on tv might be even the end of this year start of next year
1: Look, um, I I think uh, from my perspective as a Wellingtonian, Christchurch is an amazingly creative place. We saw that after the earthquakes when it was actually the artists that started rebuilding the city first from, from what I could see. Um, and visiting Christchurch and seeing those amazing murals and performances all around the city. Uh, I think Christchurch shows the way. It's an inspiring place. And I think these three people who have spoken to us tonight are incredibly inspiring leaders in Christchurch, so please give them all a big, big hand, and thank you very much.
0: To stay up to date with our latest podcasts, subscribe using your preferred podcast provider. Thank you to Techkoki School of Music Alumni Stefan Patton and Kenyon Shanky for the use of their music from Teheringa Waka Victoria University of Wellington Hi there